Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into the post-Bills uh, game edition of Shout a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Have you ever thought about entertaining a large party and doing it with Tops? They are great for entertaining. It's delicious. It's effortless. It's affordable. Spend less time in the kitchen and more time enjoying your gathering. Order delicious food from their catering selection and pick it up at your nearest tops. You can order now. And if you would like to place an order over the phone, you could call 1-800-925-8925. Select option eight. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Ryan Talbot, we got a football game to talk about here, and it was a bit of a nail-biter. Uh, our good buddy Mike Taylor in the YouTube comments, uh, I feel like, uh, hits the nail on the head, if you will, uh, in terms of what this game was like watching for Bills fans. And uncharacteristic from a sense of, you know, three turnovers for the offense, the defense, you know, having to deal with short fields on multiple occasions, I think for the most part, doing a good job of holding the Chargers to three points. Um, it was the one touchdown and then just a, a whole myriad of, of field goals from Dicker the kicker, as I like to call him. And uh, it, it it comes down to the end. And listen, there's a lot that we're going to talk about over the next 30 minutes here on this post-game uh, edition of the podcast. But the but big takeaway for me is like, to me, this felt like a game the Bills have lost all season long, right? Like they didn't have their best stuff. They were on the road. Ed Oliver, who we're going to talk a lot about, was, you know, mentioned the fact that, you know, he was exhausted. It, 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 it's 11, 12 o'clock on the East Coast. Uh, their bodies are kind of a little bit out of whack. So you're going on the road, you don't have your best stuff, and you find a way to get a win. I think to me, that's the big takeaway. We can kind of get into the details here over the next 30. Yeah, absolutely, man. And then first of all, you know, Merry Christmas Eve to you and everyone watching here live. The Bills giving their fans an early Christmas present, that being high blood pressure after another nail biter. But like you said, this is one of those games that all season long they would find a way to lose, like the Patriots game, like that first matchup against the Jets. Some of those games that you, you were left kind of scratching your head and you know, this was a short week. The Bills went from a Sunday 425 game to playing on a Saturday night. And as you mentioned, different time zone. So 
they, they had to battle through adversity. They found themselves in a 10 to nothing hole. They worked their way out of it. And, you know, they hung on at the end and, and they put together a great drive when they needed it most uh, after the Chargers had taken a late lead in this game. Let's start with Ed Oliver because uh, Joel Young, who's one of our insiders over on YouTube, uh, says that this win will galvanize the Bills for the next two weeks. And, you know, I think this is something they definitely could build on. And now on a short week, getting eight days to prepare for the Patriots at home and into that final two game stretch, try to get uh, as healthy as possible. And I think they actually um, dodged a couple of bullets tonight. I mean, Stefan Diggs getting hurt on the first play, coming back into the game. Terrell Bernard with at the moment looking like, oh, man, that could you, you start to think about the worst case scenario, right? right? I mean, and, and you start to think about, OK, what does this thing look like without Terrell Bernard? As good as, you know, Ty, uh, Tyrell Dotson has played, that's a position that like I don't think you could take a lot more hits into to your depth there. Um, but we got to start with Ed Oliver. You want to talk about. um a superstar caliber performance and listen, it, it, they're not facing a very good offense. I mean, they're, they're led by Easton stick who, by the way, I was listening to Greg Cosell uh, doing his weekly interview with one bills live this week. I, I like listening to his analysis after he freshly breaks down the, the previous week's tape of the bills. And he mentioned that stick while was, who was really competitive. He doesn't really have an NFL arm. Like he's not going to make those wild throws, but I thought that there was two or three throws in this game that I thought, well, that was better than I was expecting. I think Brock mm -hmm. Purdy does that at, at times too, where he'll hit a throw and you'll be like, wow, that was more than I thought he had in his in his uh, tool belt. So I think Easton Stick came to play. I think that he, they did a really good job at finding soft spots in the Bills zone. And at times, Sean McDermott mentioned it, they didn't get enough pressure with their front four. But in the gotta have it downs, I thought that Ed Oliver was sensational. You needed a big play. And I thought the way that that, that last sequence ended, like once they got the, 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 um, the first down run that got stuffed and then the second down um, situation, you knew they were going to probably just run the ball down and try to kick a field goal and lean on their defense. Um, but it was dangerous because they only probably needed 30 or 40 yards, 30, 35 yards for a field goal try. Ed Oliver comes out on the first play and basically puts an exclamation point on the game. Yeah, listen, that's one of those plays where a quarterback is told you cannot take a sack, and Ed Oliver just absolutely blows up the play, gets in there, takes Easton Stick down, and draws plenty of time or the majority of the time off the clock there where they don't even uh, spike it. They throw it downfield, should have been intercepted, but Ed Oliver was a game record tonight. He had two sacks on the night. Uh, he deserves an assist for one of, you know, for Puna Ford's sack where he came into the pocket. He forced Easton stick up and right into Puna Ford's arm. So just a dominant performance. And it goes back to what he said after signing the extension. I want to outplay this contract. Uh, I want to shut anyone up essentially who, uh, thinks this is a bad deal that thinks, you know, that, uh, it may have been a mistake for the bills to extend him at the, the price that they did. He has been unbelievable. And we were talking in the first three weeks of the season about how great he looked with Daquan Jones out there. And uh, when Jones went down, there were some questions about, is that Oliver going to be able to continue to play at that level? And I'd argue that he's played at an even higher level. He has stepped up for this team when they have needed him the most, Matt. And that really speaks volumes for, one, at Oliver, the player that he has become, two, Brandon Bean for kind of just knowing that he was on the cusp of this breakout season. And 
uh, having, you know, the idea of getting him at the, the rate that they were able to do so. So kudos to Ed Oliver, one of probably a handful of players that uh, d- truly deserve a game ball for the way that they performed here tonight. Yeah, and it's to me the extra part of the Ed story here is that this is the thing that they were waiting on Bills fans, that is, for four years since they drafted him. Like, we've seen these splash game performances, you know, the Thanksgiving games that have been, you know, the stuff of Bills fan lore over the last couple of years. And it just there hasn't been consistency. But I just feel like Ed Oliver this season, he, they've leaned on him to play more snaps. Um, he, he's taking a larger share of the responsibility in the middle, especially since Daquan Jones went out and he's delivering in big spots. And, you know, this isn't a good offensive line. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not overly impressed with the chargers. I thought that they probably should have had a little bit more pressure with their front four as Von Miller still continues, uh, to struggle to get back. Asked him if he wanted to talk after the game today, he continues to decline. Um, we haven't heard from him since before the arrest, which, you know, the longer this goes on, the more I got to kind of just sit there and wonder, like you're able to talk play football but you're not able to talk about it after the game what's going on here um so that, that's a little bit uh frustrating i think um but from an oliver perspective brandon bean had a choice this offseason he had a choice between betting on two players that he drafted in the first round in back-to-back years and he chose the right one he chose Ed Oliver at a, at a market contract that at the time I argued was a coup for Brandon Bean in the moment. And since it's gotten even better as other people around the league have signed their contracts and you look at the number that Tremaine Edmonds came in at and you know, you've replaced him with arguably a player that maybe isn't a better player than Tremaine Edmonds. I don't know if I'm ready to and willing to go there yet, but maybe somebody that fits better in the scheme with what they need him to do and the production that you're having in terms of how it's affected the whole defense, I think you can make an argument that Terrell Bernard is was the right decision for this defense. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it goes back to something Brandon Bean said in the offseason about how you need certain types of linebackers in, in this league and in, in this day and age. And as good as Tremaine Edmonds was for this uh, squad at times, he struggled at it in coverage. He struggled in, in certain areas that – the impact plays, and we've seen a lot of that from Bernard uh, being excellent in coverage, making splash plays, making huge plays for this defense. So in terms of you know extending the right player, keeping the right player here long term, it's clear that Brandon Bean made the right move uh, in regards to the Ed Oliver extension versus letting Edmonds walk and let him sign a mega deal with Chicago Bears. Um, that's kind of actually a really good transition point because – there's a player that Brandon Bean's going to have a similar kind of offseason decision on, and that's Gabe Davis. Ooh. And he comes out today, and we talked about it on the preview podcast, Ryan. Like, this was a, a matchup that I really liked for Gabe Davis, and he came out and made absolutely big plays. And to me, that's where he's at his best. When Josh Allen buys extra time, he's able to get off script a little bit. You know, somebody's got to figure out where he is. He, he goes downfield. He ends up one-on-one with a linebacker. Um and just makes a sensational get, uh, play that completely sparked this Bills offense. It was struggling. Three punts in the first three drives. The Raiders, the Raiders, led by Aiden O'Connell last week on their first three drives, had three touchdowns. And it, it's just 
a crazy league that this is. Uh, obviously, the East Coast, the West Coast, I think you don't want to build in excuses for the Bills, but that's part of it. It's a short week. It's a team that was hard to prepare for. Sean McDermott said they did some things that uh, surprised them, uh, wasn't on film. Um, I think uh, they had they had a lot of different looks to their offense. There was one play where they lined up. It wasn't successful. They had that one play where they lined up four uh, receivers or, or, or playmakers on the one side and tried to run a screen. And they just did a lot of different things and kind of changed uh, the timing a little bit in terms of what they did offensively. Plus, there's not a lot of tape on Easton Stick. And I thought for the most part, this defense did a really good job. Um, and there's some good players on the Chargers, and I think that's what's made this Chargers season for their fans so frustrating is that there is talent on the roster. It just hasn't all come together. Yeah, and, and listen, the, the Chargers <laughs> threw the kitchen sink at the Bills tonight with some of the formations, uh, some of the plays that they ran, some of the looks that they gave this team, and that's to be expected where you have an inexperienced quarterback like Easton Stick and you have a new interim head coach and GM. They had nothing to lose in this game. So they did come out and, you know, they gave the Bills a few shots to the chin uh, going up 10 nothing in this game. And Easton Stick made some really tough throws, uh, some, you know, 20 plus yard plays to Erickson come to mind in, in tighter windows where he really had to uncork the ball and, the rushing touchdown, he looked good. Eckler had a nice game at times or flashed at times. And uh, without their top receiver, they really made it interesting on offense. Without one of their top pass rushers, they still generated a good rush against Josh Allen. I liked the double spy idea uh, that they utilized at times to really make sure Allen couldn't take off. So they, they came into this game with a really good game plan and I kind of downplayed the whole emotional aspect of replacing your head coach. We both and GM. did. We both did. Yeah. And, and it was clear that, you know, it did play a role in this game. They were, they were up for this matchup. They wanted to spoil Buffalo's season in front of a national audience in a game exclusive to Peacock outside of Western New York. Uh, and, and they almost got the job done. Yeah, I mean, you look at some of well, we'll talk about the uh, AFC playoff picture, but with the games to come tomorrow, uh, the Bills have two teams playing tomorrow and at worst can get knocked down to the number eight seed. But if they win out, the Bills win out, they're guaranteed a playoff spot, which is, you know, a good place to be in uh, considering where they were a couple weeks ago. Uh, shout out to Jesse Gambino, who says, thank you for helping me find a tailgate. Uh, shout out to Bill's Mafia. Well, you know, he uh, DM both of us earlier today, yeah. brought his uh, family to the game in L.A. Uh, the, the fans of Buffalo tailgates, as you mentioned, oftentimes do sell out because they're one of the top parties that uh, that are thrown on the road. And so Jesse was trying to find a different place. It sounds like he did find it. So shout out to Bill's Mafia, who are always taking care of each other. I want to get back to Davis because what I think this could potentially mean for this offense, you know, Stefan Diggs, for whatever reason, something seems to be going on there. And I asked Sean McDermott about it after the game, if maybe he was dinged up and if they, maybe they scaled things back a little bit and he didn't really want to peel back the curtain too far in terms of what was happening. And instead he kind of didn't know if, if anything had happened and he obviously played the rest of the game, but there was a couple, at least one, maybe two big third downs where Stefan Diggs wasn't off the field. And, over the last couple of the weeks, I've, I've wondered if maybe that's just part of two things. Number one, from a scheme perspective, 
wanting to lean into some run sets where I think that it's just better when he's on the sideline because there's better options at blo- uh, in terms of blockers on the outside. But I also wonder, like, Stefan Diggs is not a spring chicken. Uh, listen, he still plays like a spring chicken. Don't get me wrong. But he's on the on the wrong end of 30. And I think that there is some value in playing it safe in terms of how the usage rate of your number one wide receiver. Like you want there to be a little bit left on the bone when you get to the playoffs. So if they're scaling back his snaps, I don't have a huge problem with it, but you now see this prolonged period of a drop in production Mm -hmm. and who knows, maybe Josh Allen puts that ball where it needs to be uh, in the third quarter there. And that's a touchdown. And we're talking about a hundred yard game for Stefan Diggs, And you know, uh, it's not a a big deal. Uh, And we'll talk about Josh Allen's game in a second, but um the, the Diggs thing is, is puzzling, and I'm, I'm trying to you know figure it out, and, and there just hasn't been a significant answer on that quite yet. It, it does feel like he's been off the field a lot the past few weeks, whether it's, like you said, based on what they're trying to, to run. There also seems to be times where he's calling for a sub to come in, and you do wonder if he's banged up or if he has this something that's lingering or bothering him, uh, and he's just kind of gutting through it. But to his credit in a, in a must, you know, move the chain type of situation. He did so on that final drive of the bills on a, I believe it might've been a third and four play along the sidelines came up with a huge catch there. And, and as you mentioned, he had a step on the safety on Josh Allen's interception. It was an underthrown ball uh, by Allen. And had he delivered that ball a little bit better, he probably is off to the race as he scores a touchdown He's close to 100 yards, and we there's a whole different conversation about his performance tonight and maybe the whole outcome of the game because uh, that might have changed the whole dynamic of it. So one small play like that can throw everything off, and it definitely did in that scenario. But his production has certainly been off. Uh, he has not looked like himself. But at the same time, if the Bills are just managing his reps so he's fresh for the playoffs, it might, if they make the playoffs, that is. Uh, that would end up maybe being a, a brilliant move to give him some fresh legs, to give him some opportunities uh, to make plays for this offense. You know who's making plays on the Shout Buffalo Bills insider text line this week? Matt Perino was making plays. Mm-hmm. It has been a True. busy week. I've I, I've had my uh, my 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 typing thumbs, my my uh, cell phone texting thumbs, uh, heavily. In action, and when you have a four-hour cross-country flight, it's easy to kind of get after it. But we've been getting after it on the Shout Buffalo Bills Insider Text Line, and I'm giving out a month free trial to anybody that wants it. Uh, all you have to do is DM me on Twitter, on Twitter X at Matt Perino, email me M Perino, P A R R I N O at N Y U P dot com. I will send you a code that gives you one month for free, and all you have to do is text seven one six. 528-6727 uh, and get in the door. The shout text line is brought to you by Carrie C. Byer, attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Leitro, located at 237 Main Street, Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give them a call at 716-852-1234 or visit LeitroLaw.com. Ryan, this was also in a way the Puna Ford game. Yeah. Uh, he, he ends up with a sack today and, you know, Ed Oliver was talking about him a little bit when I asked him about what it was like to play next to him in a, in, in a kind of a little bit of a larger role. And he's like, if it wasn't me getting the pressure and Puna getting a sack, it was Puna getting the pressure and then me getting the sack. And he really talked up how 
good of a player that Puna Ford was. And it was never about not being a great player. It was about just a lack of opportunity because of the guys that were ahead of him on the depth chart. But Ed Oliver said, make no mistake about it. Puna can play. And now like this was a huge game and, you know, he was smiling a little bit. He's, he's a man, a few words at his locker after the game. I got a few minutes with him, uh, but you could tell what it meant to him. And, you know, he's eager now, he said, to build on this. It's not just good enough to have one performance, but to come back next week against a Patriots team at home. You know, this is a, a spot for Puna Ford to finally, like, make his mark on this Bills team. Yeah, it's a huge spot because now you have Jordan Phillips on the IR. You know that uh, he is out for the rest of the regular season. He would be out for the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, that spot and the majority of the reps that go with it are now yours. And, he showed up in a big-time way tonight. And, you know, listen, we, we cover this team. We cover the players. And we, we try to do it without any kind of bias. But you have to feel good for a player like this that's been inactive for all these weeks and has just been waiting for the opportunity to get onto the field. And, and when he finally does, he makes some big plays, some game-changing plays. He was one of three or four players on this defense that really stood out somewhat consistently tonight you had Ford you had Ed Oliver I thought Taron Johnson had another outstanding game for this team uh so just right there alone you know you, you feel good for a guy like Ford who signs in free agency thinks he's probably going to be a big factor on a team that at that time was viewed as a Super Bowl favor and he's been inactive for the majority of the season so he gets out there he performs and now he has another chance to do it this upcoming weekend uh, against the Patriots in, once again, a must-win game for this the Bills. So if he puts up some good tape for the Bills late in the season, whether it's here next year or somewhere else, there's going to be some teams interested in Puna Ford based on his production. You know, I, I think we should talk about, too, I sent out a text on this uh, this afternoon about Sebastian Joseph Day, who the Chargers uh, released uh, surprisingly somewhat <clears throat> um uh, earlier in the week. I don't think it's that surprising though. He's going to be an off season cut. Uh, they save a ton of money with the, the cap hit. He was, I think he was on the books for like $10 million next year. So I, I think it gives him the chance to go to a contender. Uh, he's been a captain for them, uh, a part of their team for a long time. I think it's kind of like, uh, Hey, nothing's going on around here the next couple of weeks. Why don't you go on and try to, uh, you know, prove, prove yourself and, and maybe get a better deal this off season. I was lukewarm on it, to be honest with you, after, you know, diving into uh, watching a little bit of him uh, over on NFL Plus. I uh, watched a couple of his games quickly and, you know, the, the numbers, the PFF grades, they're not great. Uh, I, I don't think that the I don't think that the bills can be, uh, you know, uh, super choosy about this. If there if there's there's issue number issues, you want to add in pieces. But don't forget they have Elianku on the practice squad already, who knows the system, has played games for them. So if you bring in um, uh, Joseph Day, that's a move that you make, knowing that with his limited understanding of what you do defensively, you're going to play him over Anku. The Puna Four game also definitely taps the brakes for me on this potential move. If it, if it's even there to be made, he's on waivers right now. Uh, I don't think it's been reported. If, if he's cleared waivers, uh, it may have, and I missed it. We've obviously been covered a game. Nobody's going to claim him off waivers. It's a very expensive move. You, you take on that contract. It just doesn't make any sense. So a team that ends up signing him probably ends up signing him to 
uh, a minimum deal on an active roster or even a practice squad, which is where I was more willing for the Bills to make a move in that department. But Ryan, Daquan Jones is coming back. I mean, Ed Oliver at his, yeah. at his stall tonight was talking about like, you know, it's great to get Puna back and mm-hmm. we're excited about you know, Daquan, you know, working his way back. So I just don't know from a numbers perspective if the Bills have a roster spot for him um, or even a practice squad spot for him. And then, oh, by the way, Christian Benford gets banged up today. He comes back in the game. But they're one injury away at cornerback from potentially needing Kyer Elam at the very least in a depth role. So I don't know how you could shut him down for the season unless you're super concerned about that injury not being where it needs to be for him to actually play at some point. He might need one of those roster spots too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day – I can't remember if he was with the Rams before the Chargers. I, f- I feel like that's where he was. I could see a team like the Rams signing him. Experience in their system, possibly. Uh, familiarity with the team, at least. But for they any won other a Super Bowl team, there. Okay, so for any other teams here uh, that are contenders, you might have some level of interest, but it's going to be hard to get him up to speed and get right. him used to whatever your scheme is. And like you mentioned, Daquan Jones is – uh, on the cusp of returning. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he was able to play in this upcoming game against the Patriots. I, I think that the Miami game is, is certainly the goal, that Week 18 matchup. But you open up his activation window. He says he's feeling good. Uh, depending on how this week goes, maybe you have him out there that early. And all of a sudden, defensive tackle is not an issue anymore. And, you know, you'll, we'll see how that affects Puna Ford and his reps, obviously, uh, after having such a nice game. But, I think they're at least trending in the right direction at defensive tackle. But w- when you see, like you said, you know, Benford go down and now you're back to Rasul Douglas and Dane Jackson for a period, uh, you get Benford back, you're concerned about that because the, the depth isn't as deep at cornerback. And uh, maybe it is Kyrie Elam who will get a shot here late in the season and it would be an interesting story. Uh, again, maybe he would get his big moment in week 18 if he was able to get on the field. He had a great game last year against the Miami Dolphins, and if he truly is healthy uh, and he's not having any lingering issues, it wouldn't hurt to have him on this active roster. I know he has not come close to living up to the draft expectations, uh, but he's also been banged up, and uh, based on the injuries that we've seen, it, it could certainly happen, Matt. What is up, everybody? This is Matt Prino from Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast, here to talk to you about Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize Picks is the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player staff projections and watch the winnings roll in. Football season may be over, but the action on the floor is heating up. Whether it's tournament season or the fight for playoff home court, there's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. Get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app where you can turn your hoops knowledge into serious cash. You can now win up to 100 times your money on Prize Picks with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000 with NBA, NHL, and college basketball entries today on Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, 
S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today and use the code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Uh, We got a super chat here from Braden Webb, which is a good transition because I want to talk a little bit about Josh Allen and then James Cook before we get out of here. Uh, Do you think this game hurt the Allen MVP case? And, you know, you look at the numbers tonight. uh, Josh Allen finishes 15 of 21, 237 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, he goes for uh, five for 15 on the ground, two more rushing touchdowns. Right, he's going to lead the NFL in touchdowns. So from that perspective, I think he stays in the mix. And to me, the hard part of the Purdy vote is that there's another player on his team in Christian McCaffrey that I think is arguably even more deserving of an MVP award. Because I think if you were making that argument, like if you take – so. If you take Christian McCaffrey off that team, if you take Debo Samuel off that team, if you take Brock Purdy off that team, what's the order of importance in terms of how much the team is affected? I think you start with those first two. We saw what happened when Debo Samuel wasn't playing and Trent, even Trent Brown, like when he wasn't, or not Trent Brown, um, uh, Trent Williams, when he wasn't playing, like what that meant for that offense. So I think that anybody that's in the mix for the MVP award, um, and Robin Brown makes a point that Josh Allen's interception numbers are they're eye popping. I mean, I think what is he up to now? 15 with the one tonight. I mean, that's so. that's a lot on the season. Um, but I think going against the San Francisco 49ers is just the fact that there's so many pieces to that puzzle. And I th- also think it's going to depend on where the bills finish. Um, there is a another one I want to bring up here from Jack B B on YouTube. If the Ravens lose out, the Browns lose to the Bengals in their last game. The Chiefs lose one game. Dolphins lose to the Cowboys. The Bills win out. The, the Bills get the number one seed. Obviously a very crazy scenario, but a scenario that, listen, the Ravens have a really tough schedule to close out. They play the 49ers. Then they play the um, Dolphins. Dolphins uh, and then I think they close out with a divisional game, if I'm not mistaken. I have to look that up. Um, but either way, if the Bills end up finishing like two and they win the AFC East and they finish two in the AFC or something like that or three, then I think like he at least pushes back into the conversation. But I do agree that what probably will hold him back are those those turnover numbers because he's probably going to lead the NFL in total touchdowns. Yeah, I, I think that Josh Allen, maybe he, his status wasn't hurt, but didn't help tonight with the way that he played. And I, I still think it's like, you know, Christian McCaffrey deserves the MVP based on the way he's played this season. But like you said, two guys on the same team could split some votes. You know, Josh Allen tonight, he had some nice throws. The, the one that Gabe Davis comes to mind, some on that final drive. But he was also bailed out a few times. A really nice catch oh. by Khalil Shakir on a third down play that was behind him. He had a bobble and then Ryan, catch it. Ryan, I was told on social media, on X, Twitter, that that throw was right on the shoulder pads to Khalil Shakir. I thought that was a bad throw. I it called it a bad. terrible or I, horrible throw. I think that uh, it was would have been a big gainer if you put it in the right spot. I think that he had some yeah. separation, and, and uh, the fact that he had to stop and, and kind of haul it in, he still got good yardage after the catch, but it, it could have been a much bigger play. The underthrown interception, that could have been a touchdown to Stefan Diggs. I know the O-line didn't do him any favors tonight. He had a lot of pressure in his face. Uh, he had spies on him, so he couldn't run as much, but – tonight's performance certainly didn't help him. I think, but like you said, it keeps him right where he currently is. And 
if the Bills end up being the two seed, which isn't that crazy. They went out. The, the Chiefs find a way to lose one game here down the stretch. Uh, they would have a similar record, and the Bills would have the head-to-head. It, it could certainly happen. But I, I just don't think this season is the MVP case for him. And if I'm being honest, I don't think Josh Allen cares. I think Josh Allen wants this team to go far into the playoffs, get to the Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl. Uh, the individual accolades are nice, but that's not what he is doing this for. He's said since day one his goal is to lead th- this franchise to a Super Bowl. So, you know, as much as the recognition would be great for him, he also knows that this is just an individual award that really doesn't matter much at the end of the day. So I'm going to drop a bit of a hot take here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of Bills fans are not going to like this hot take. I think that Leonard Fournette should get put on ice for a while. Um, I think to me, unless Ty Johnson can't play and you have to play him, that's fine. But as soon as Ty Johnson's ready to return, he should be back in the lineup. I, I thought that especially in the red zone tonight, there wasn't enough juice for Fournette. And listen, it's early. It's, you know, it's his first action of the season. But unfortunately for for Leonard Fournette and the Bills, there's not really that kind of time to get him to a comfortable place where you feel good about giving him those kind of carries. Like, I I don't have my book in front of me. He had at least 15 snaps in this game. Mm -hmm. And as the game went along, they moved away from using him as a running back, and they had him out there as a fullback. And maybe the idea is, okay, you put that on tape, and listen – this is the next level chess game. And this is what I started getting to think about as that they were using that package. Maybe Joe Brady is putting that on tape. So the next time that Leonard Fournette's out there with James Cook, that it's a pass situation. And they, you know, because the two times they did it, I think two that I'm thinking of, they ran like um, counters or um, some outside runs or something with James Cook. And he was used primarily, Fournette was as a blocker. In a, in a future scenario like that, maybe you can use him as a pass catcher, which is historically a strong part of his game. But I just came away with this game, which is like, I don't know, like you already have Latavius Murray. I think he's, Mm -hmm. he's a little bit redundant. So unless you're willing to inactivate Murray and play um, Fournette in that spot, that's, that's a problem for me. And I still think Murray Fournette, Take half of those looks tonight and just give them to James Cook. I know he fumbled twice. We're going to talk about that in a second. But I want to be giving more looks to James Cook at this point, not taking them away. I agree with that. And, you know, Ty Johnson was missed tonight, the burst, the speed, the way that he's played. Fournette had uh, a few solid runs early. I think his first carry went for four or five yards. He had a nine-yard carry. He was able to get low in between the tackles on one play and dive ahead for a first down. Uh, but, but as the game went on, the, the runs weren't as good. Uh, he, the Bills get to the two-yard line. They hand him the ball, and he's able to maybe get ahead for one yard. You know, first action of the season, yes, but very similar skill set to Murray. Ty Johnson brings a little bit more to the table. So, like you said, once Ty Johnson is ready to go, bring him back into the fold. But um, he helped get the job done tonight. So he was able to get out there and quote unquote hoop as he's been calling it the past few weeks. So, you know, at least in that regard, it's a win for him. You, you have a little bit of tape of him now. And if another injury pops up or if you need him in the playoffs, then you could possibly bring him back. Um, so on cook the two, um, fumbles tonight like how big of a concern is this for you looking ahead because 
listen, they barely survived them tonight. And that second fumble put the Bills in a really bad spot, going down in the fourth quarter, needing a fourth quarter. To me, it felt like, and I agree with uh, Mike Brown or Mike Taylor on YouTube, by the way. He says, I appreciate that the Bills left Cook in after that second fumble. I agree. I think that should be the way now. I think James Cook's done enough to earn that kind of um, leash, if you will, uh, for mistakes in a game. But I, I will say that, like, and listen, the more you touch the football as a running back, he had 20 carries tonight, Ryan. Yeah. I think a lot of Bills fans would be surprised that he finished with 20 for 70 in a game where it felt like a lot, of, like a slog. It didn't feel like he ran it 20 times like that. And so when you do, when you these carries start to add up, you know, those mistakes are going to start to add up. But two fumbles in a game, you, you do that um, against the Miami Dolphins in two weeks, and it's going to probably be a bad spot for them. It's worrisome. It's definitely worrisome. It's something that we really ha- didn't have to worry about uh, or fans that didn't really have to worry about, that is, up until tonight. And, you know, they, they showed the tape of his first game of his rookie year, fumbling it. Uh, he had some issues earlier this year where he was pulled up for some drops for different issues like that. So first and foremost, you know, I, I don't know if it's a Sean McDermott decision, if it's a Joe Brady decision. Uh, but after that fumble, they brought him back out there. They gave him the ball. And, yeah, he, when the Bills, you know, needed it, he fumbles on the first play of a drive. And you're like, oh, my goodness, what is happening here? So the Bills were able to escape Los Angeles with a win tonight. But it, it's something that you're concerned about be, because that's on tape now. I guarantee you next week against the Patriots, you're going to have teams every time he's running the ball, trying to punch that thing free because, Hey, the Chargers were able to do it. Uh, I don't want to say he has a history of it. There's not enough instances of him fumbling the ball, in my opinion, over his two year career to say that it's an issue right now, but it's something that teams are going to try to go to the well and knock it out of his hands and turn the ball over because that's the, that's the formula to knocking off the bills creating turnovers, taking advantage of short fields, and the Chargers almost pulled it off tonight. So I like the fact they kept him in. I think he's earned that, as you mentioned. But it's certainly something going forward that other teams are going to try to punch that ball free because of what they saw tonight. All right, let's take a really quick look before we get out of here at tomorrow and what the Bills uh, Bills fans should be watching for. Obviously, mm-hmm. the, the, the biggest game – of the day for me is the Colts at the Falcons. I think you really are a Arthur Smith fan tomorrow, a Bijan Robinson fan. And if, if the Colts lose, I mean, that drops them down to eight and seven on the season, a full game back and exactly where you want them to be uh, because they would, if they win tomorrow, they'll, they would move above the bills because of the tiebreaker. Then you have the Texans and the Browns and it's a complicated one. As we talked about a couple of days ago, because the Texans Texans lose and the Browns of course go to 10 and five and assume one, probably assume one of those uh, wild card spots, but it probably just goes ahead and knocks the Texans out of this thing. Uh, but maybe you want to keep them alive a little bit too, to have them play uh, tough against the Indianapolis Colts in the, in the final week. Um, that one's a tough one to kind of pick. Yeah, you, you go back and forth on the outcomes and, you know, it says that the Texans are the team to root for in it, but I don't think there's necessarily a bad outcome. I think that if the Browns win, like you said, yeah, they are in the driver's seat for the first wild card spot based on the way they've played this season. And if they lose, it, it makes things a little bit more interesting in the standings and the Texans have a few tough games left where you're expecting them to drop one or 
Uh, they'll, they'll go against the Colts in week 18, so at least one of them would fall out of the picture at that point. That one's really interesting to me. Obviously, to me, though, the game to watch tomorrow is the, the Cowboys versus the Dolphins. Um, the Dolphins are going into this game not being able or not having any wins over teams with winning records. The Cowboys are going into this game after being thoroughly embarrassed by the Bills. Both teams have a lot to prove in this game, and if the Cowboys can knock off the Dolphins, I think the pressure really escalates uh, for Miami, for the players, for the coaching staff, saying possibly here we go again. Not only you know did we drop a, a game to another winning team, the Ravens are the week after that, and then there's the Bills, the Bills that have for the majority of Josh Allen's career had the Dolphins number, and while it's in Miami you would wonder if the pressure would get to them a little bit and, and they'd have another late season collapse and there'd be a lot of outside noise talking about this team being frauds, whether they get into the playoffs or not as a wildcard team, which I'm pretty sure they would still claim one of those spots. Uh, so that to me is the most interesting game tomorrow, but th- there's obviously a lot of wild card scenarios in play. And obviously in a game from earlier today went buff in Buffalo's favor in a big time way with the Steelers knocking off the Bengals. Oh, yeah, I might have had George Pickens in a playoff matchup against somebody in the media league, uh, not to be named. I don't want to gloat. It's early. He had Chris Olave the other night who went off. So big. I, I had a decision to make. I had to decide if I was going to keep Pickens in the lineup or take him out, and I rode with him. He, he brought me to the dance. He, he had himself a really good start to the season. Yes, like a he did. Big, big performances. So uh, I stuck with him, and it paid off. You know, sometimes you're rewarded for those decisions late in the season. Um, anyway, a couple of things before we get out of here. Number one. Everybody, December 30th, if you are going to be in Buffalo, if you're out of town, if you're coming in uh, to watch the Patriots game, uh, the night before, we are kicking things off at the brand new Wingnuts location, 1402 Millersport Highway in Amherst. It is our first ever live shout event from there. Please consider, if you can, coming out. It is going to be a massive event. I've already heard from so many people that are coming out. Uh, I want to absolutely blow the doors off this place uh, this Saturday night. Um, it is so amazing. I went there the other day, Ryan, just to check out the food. There's a, It's an expanded menu. Um, AJ uh, Giordano has been working on uh, his pizza recipes. So they have all these pizzas on the menu. I had the beef on Weck. It was unbelievable. I had a chicken sandwich with the wing nuts mild. Dude. It was sensational. So I would love everybody to come out, uh, have a party with us uh, this Saturday night, uh, 6 p.m. We will arrive there. We will do a live podcast at 7. Um, If you're coming out and you're interested on maybe coming out for a fan segment, send me a message at mperino at Um, nyup.com. Text me in the insider group or DM me on X or Twitter. We'll set that up. And I'm I'm hoping to do like like a – what's it called a uh, a quick fire round with uh, some fans that are in attendance that want to come onto the show. Uh, we want to involve you a little bit, have some fun. Uh, and then we're going to, we're actually going to do a promotional video too. Uh, I'm hoping to f- uh, shoot a promotional video as well. Uh, so if you're there, you're going to be in the video. It's going to be a fun time. And I just want to, I just want to blow it out because wing nuts has been so awesome to us. These events have brought us so close to bills fans. Uh, and this one's going to be super special, right? Yeah, we've been talking about uh, having our first show at that new location for months now. So it's finally here. I'm excited. I have some friends from uh, town here that are making the trip. I've heard from a lot of Bills fans as well saying they plan on being there. Join us. 
night before Bills versus the Patriots. Matt and I will also have you covered uh, from Highmark Stadium the following day. But join us the night before as we talk about the Bills and, you know, can they win out? Can they end this season on a high note, get into the playoffs, and then see where things go from there? Um, Tops loves local flavor. Tops loves reinvesting in the communities uh, it serves by supplying products from more than 300 local companies, representing thousands of items, putting money back into local economies. Perry's Ice, ice Cream, Bison Dips, Salins, uh, Chobani, uh, Anchor Bar, Lenova, Bill Gray's, and so many more. Top supports and invests in our in local farmers and merchants, and that includes working with more than 200 local growers during homegrown season, some of which have partnered with Tops for decades. Uh, you know, big day of football tomorrow, Ryan, and what better way to kick off your Sunday slate than with a Tops breakfast pizza? I wish I was going to be back in time. I'd head over there. Maybe I'll get them for the night games. Uh, get over to Tops. I think they're open in the morning. Uh, and, and just, uh, you know, start your, your Sunday off with a, a beautiful Tops breakfast pizza. That's right. Can't beat it. Bills Mafia had one last week. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Uh, you are phenomenal, Mr. T- Mr. Talbot. Uh, I know you were a little bit on the fence about that uh, sweater before we started our podcast tonight. I told you, not a fan, but I got to <laughs> tell you, you really pulled it off. By the end of this thing, yeah. it kind of is looking a little bit like a hoodie. Uh, you're looking really like suave, debonair. Uh, I, I'm all in. I, I, I flipped I love it. here. I love it. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas Christmas to you, Ryan. Uh, I don't say this enough, but I'm appreciative of you, my friend, for all the work uh, that you put into this show and everything we do over at Syracuse and NewYorkUpstate.com all season long, all year long. Enjoy your time with your family, everybody. Happy holidays. We will see you on Wednesday. Take care, everybody.